Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the pilots, from the flight attendants, and from traveling around the world. This episode is called Big Metal Tube, because when you come right down to it, basically that's what an airplane is. It is a big metal tube hurling through the sky with hundreds of people crammed inside. So I guess it's not surprising that every once in a while, one of those passengers who is crammed in that big metal tube hurling through the sky goes a little crazy. You know, they're uncomfortable. There's not a lot of space. They don't have a lot of control over the situation. So they vent and they vent in a number of different ways. And we're going to hear a lot of them on this episode. It is actually ironic that we're here we are in the middle of the holiday season. And basically, the theme of this episode is violence. <laughs> Nothing like a little violence for the holidays. But as you're going to see, most of the stories are funny. So let's hear our first story from the Big Metal Tube. Well, I'm crazy again. Get up at cruise, the movie's on, all the shades are drawn, and um, a guy in the back of coach has the DTs because he's going through alcohol withdrawal. He decides all of a sudden he has to get to work. So he goes to the back to try to open the door to get out of the airplane to go to work. Well, they kind of they kind of fend him off back there. This gal is working first class, so she sees him coming up the aisle. He's going to go to the front of the airplane and get out of the airplane up front instead. Well, nobody sees him because they're all watching the movie like this, you know, and the shades are drawn and it's dark, and he's charged up the aisle. She's standing in the front, so she thinks, i got to stop him. She didn't know what he was doing. I mean, she, this guy's all of a sudden, he's going full speed for the front. So he gets up, comes up there, and he runs into her and knocks her down on the ground here in their galley. Well, of course, the guys in the first class are sitting there, and all of a sudden, you know, commotion, and something goes rushing by. So they see what's going on, so they jump up. Meanwhile, this guy has gotten his hand over. He's got his hand on the handle. He managed, you know, he knocked her down, and he reaches, and he grabs the handle, and he's trying to get the door open. And she's kind of struggling in around, trying to get, you know, to stop him, to Wrestling. get out from underneath him and stuff. Well, one of the guys in the first class runs up and grabs him by the neck. Or he grabs, he grabs him, and he's trying to keep him thinking, I'm sure he's thinking, that if that guy gets the door open, we're all dead, you know, just like... Goldfinger, you know, you shoot the window out, everybody gets sucked out, we're all going to die. So he, this guy's hanging on for dear life. Meanwhile, another guy from first class jumps up and grabs, not the bad guy, but the good guy by the neck and takes his head and starts bashing it on the floor. Well, the flight attendant says, she, meanwhile, she had worked her way free out from underneath them, and she's kind of backed into the galley, and she's sitting there thinking, has the whole world gone insane? What is going on here? She calls up to the, she calls up to to the cockpit because of course your security kit is in the back not in the front it says can you open the door and drop the security kit out the door just open it and drop it out you know and of course they're going we're not going to do that she says but we've got all this going on and meanwhile they're still wrestling and they're on the ground wrestling and all this kind of stuff so they must have looked through the people and seen all the chaos back there but they open it up and drop the kit out so they get the kit out meanwhile the captain actually had a friend she said a cop 
friend of his who was in the back and coach. So he calls back to the back and says, get the guy in such and such a seat and come up here. He's a cop. He can help in this situation. So he comes running up to the front. So they finally get this guy subdued. They get him all tussled up and stuff and take off. Meanwhile, the guy, that, the second guy from first class that had jumped on the good guy and was banging his head, he said, that, yeah, he's apologizing. He said, I'm so sorry. I just got so excited. I just, I mean, he just, he just grabbed somebody and just started beating the crap out of him, you know, on the, smashing his head into the floor. So he's, and he, she said he apologized for the next three hours to the guy. You know, he was like one seat back from him. He kept leaning up and saying, hey, I'm really sorry, man. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to get you, you know. Exactly. So they take the guy to the back. Well, it turns out he's not there by himself. His wife is there. And she's very quietly sitting there the whole time like this while her husband's going crazy. She's not going to say, I don't know who he is. I don't know. Well, they find out when they get him back to the seat that this is his wife. And she says, yeah, he's going through alcohol withdrawal. Meanwhile, he's still screaming, i got to get to work. You're killing me. i got to get to work. I mean, he's, he's irrational. He's just, he's oh, yeah, well, they've got, they've got him cuffed out. Well, they, they tied him with the chair, which I can't figure out. I could see because you can get them around that little bar on the bottom. You could you could link them to that, but somehow they got his hands down too because I don't see how they. But somehow they got him tied down. So he's sitting here like this, strapped into the chair, both arms, both legs, and he's still screaming, "I gotta get to work! I gotta get to work!" Meanwhile, his wife says, "Well, here's his medicine." So I said, "Why didn't forget the medicine?" I told her. I said, "Why didn't you just give him a drink? You know, let him start the DT somewhere else. You know, let him get drunk, and we'll you can start this when you get home from your vacation." But she says, they got the medicine, so she poured it in some cranberry juice, and to get him to drink it, she said she did take some, some uh, Jack Daniels and put it around the rim of the glass. Gave it to him for him to drink it, so he drank it. Starts to settle down, but he's still, you know, I gotta get to work, you people are killing me, you know? So, finally she goes back to me, she says, if you don't shut up, I'm gonna put a blanket over your head. You know, like a bird in a cage, how you just put a blanket over it, and hopefully they'll be quiet. So he finally settled down at that. So he, he did settle down. Yeah. I feel bad for the nice guy in first class. Oh, yeah. Got the crap he wanted down. to help and cut me up. Well, you know, people get a little excited in these situations. You know, they just get all carried away. Do you have a story? Yeah, I have a wonderful story. Okay. It's about a passenger who was eating... A meal. And everybody else on the airplane was finished. And for some reason, he took one bite and chewed the food for 10 minutes and took another bite and chewed the food for 10 minutes. So then, everybody else is finished and the flight attendants are taking their breaks. So, flight attendant goes by and says, oh yeah, that man's not finished his meal. So, she goes by to pick it up and she says, sir, are you done? He says, no. So the flight attendant walks away, and then another flight attendant comes by. He says, sir, are you done? He goes, no. <laughs> and the third flight attendant comes by and goes, sir, are you done? He goes, no. So the flight attendant goes to the galley, and she's like, don't go back to that man. He's really upset. Don't go back to him. Let him keep it. Let him think about it. <laughs> So the fourth flight attendant comes by and says, Sir, are you done? He goes, I'm tired of you asking me if people are if I'm done. People are finished and turkeys are done. She said, Well, that's what I said. Are you done yet, turkey? <laughs> so 
So I was saying that it isn't surprising that some passengers go a little nutso on the aircraft. But what is surprising is that people don't seem to think about the fact that if you do something wrong on an airplane, you're stuck, babe. <laughs> There's nowhere to go. So it always surprises me that people do crazy things on the airplane because of all places to do something wrong, illegal, <laughs> An airplane seems like one of the worst places because there is no place to go. You are stuck in that big metal tube. I was an engineer on the L-1011 for what, about six years. And so, of course, you know, the captain never goes to the back. He always tells the, FO, the SO to go back and pretend you're the captain and go back there and take care of the problem, whatever it is. So, you know, you got to put your jacket on and you say, can I borrow your hat at least, you know, so I look like a captain type thing. Well, we were, we were flying from... Uh, Atlanta to Seattle, and uh, just before we got over to the rock over the Rockies, this Indian guy back it was back in on um, it would have been in that first section of coach. I can't remember what those so about about sixteen or seven row seventeen on the window. There was you know it was two four what two five two yeah, yeah two five two, and uh, an Indian was sitting uh, a Sikh Indian was sitting next to his wife. And all of a sudden, he just started wailing on her. Just, on the wife? Yeah, on the wife just started hitting her. And now we're having a dispute, obviously. But, I mean, this here you're in a, a plane full of people, and this guy just starts beating his wife up. Well, the flight attendants come up tell him to settle down, and he, he settles down a little. But then he starts it up again like 10 minutes later. So they finally call up and say, hey, we've got a guy back here. you got to come back here. So, of course, you know, Captain said, you go back there and take care of that. So, oh, okay, I'll go back there. So I put on my jacket, and I go walking back there, trying to look as official as possible. Say, is there seem to be a problem? Well, he does. He doesn't speak hardly any English. But before I even got back there, there was three big burly guys that were a couple seats back that came to the wife's rescue, and they were basically standing over the back of them. And and so I said, "Sir, you're going to have to refrain from what you're doing. And if it happens again, these three guys are going to take you to the back and tie you up in the back." And needless to say, he didn't touch her the rest of the flight. Now she he might have beat her up when they got to the airport, but he did not touch her after that. Yeah, not on my time. As long as I didn't have to deal with it, I didn't have to do when I went back there again. So. It's amazing what people think they can get away with. Well, I know. It's, it was a crowded airplane. It was a full airplane. And he just starts, I mean, he wasn't just, you know, just hitting her. He was, I mean, he was swinging his arm trying to trying to beat her up, you know. And, of course, he's just sitting there cowering in her seat. And just thinking, that is really strange, you know. It's stupid. Well, maybe in India, on Air India, that happens all the time, you know. It could be in the back. It could be happening all over the airplane. I Actually, know. I'm going to tell one little story about Air India. Oh. In India, yeah. and we went on Air India, and you know everything in India. Not any offense to any people from India, but it's very dirty there. You know, there's yes. <laughs> like there's soot falling from the sky at yes. points. So we're on Air India on the ground, and the flight attendants are coming through with little squares of cotton and hard candy on the trays, and we're thinking, well, I always like to see what other airlines do anyway, and I'm thinking, well, that's nice. But we didn't know what the little square of cotton was for, you know? We're thinking, well, there's no toilet paper anywhere. <laughs> you know, maybe this is what you get before. We didn't know. And then we thought, you know, it's so hot. You know, maybe it's to, you know, take the shine off your face. <laughs> Actually, they rolled it up and put it in their ears. Oh, for, uh, for earplugs. It was like earplugs. So they don't worry about anything else over there, but God forbid. <laughs> It is too noisy. But you should lose your hearing at all. Yeah, yeah. Being on the streets of Mumbai, exactly. Well, but you know, you talk about the sound of people beating their wives on the airplane. That's what it is. Exactly. So they don't have to hear it. Yeah, going on farther back. Exactly. 
so this is a MD-88 flight several years ago into um, Dayton, Ohio. Two parallel runways, and uh, one of the runways is closed because they're doing the Dayton Air Show, and they have the uh, Confederate Air Force. Are you familiar with that? It's, they have World War II airplanes, and they do simulated bombing runs on the airport. So we're on the final to the southern runway, and the air show's going on at the northern runway, and <laughs> we're cleared to land, and we saw all the airplanes, and I asked the tower, I said, it appears the airfield's under attack. Are you sure it's safe? It's, uh, he thought it was funny. We have a flight attendant who is, uh, well, you know how some, some people, if they manage people, the people don't know that they've been managed. That's a good yeah. person. Then there's people who are very good at service, but you know you've been managed. Yeah. Well, that's how this flight attendant is. She's A, and she's definitely controls the whole situation. Well, we're down in uh, Barbados, and um, in Barbados, the, the buses come up and drop the people off. They come up the airstairs to get on the airplane. So uh, she, uh, they were out there. They were loading the plane, and the people were coming off the buses. They load in the front and the back. So they're coming up the air stairs, and it got kind of clogged up in the back. So she kind of walks over and goes to put her hand on a girl, uh, this young girl, between 13 and 18, because I saw her, but I can't tell what the age is when they're that age. But she's a blackout. But when she put her hand on her, they spit on her. Yeah, so Lucy was just totally taken back. And like I said, she's real sweet and she's very mild. So she didn't, she just was kind of like, like just shocked. And she kind of walked away. She was, got up, she was upset. She started crying. But the other, well, she comes on right when we're all done, loading everybody up and getting ready to go and said, you got everything you need. And she's still upset. And so Catherine, the flight attendant, goes, uh, what happened? She says, well, I was out there and she told her what happened. And she said, and I got spit on it. And she said, well, do you know who did it? She says, Maybe she says, "Could you identify him?" She says, "Probably." She says, "You walk back through the cabin. You find out where they're at." So she walks. Lucy walks back through the cabin, finds them, at the, finds them, comes back up. They're in twenty-six, you know, A and B. Okay, so Catherine, boy, and Catherine is sturdy. Sturdy, yes, that's a good descriptive <laughs> word. Catherine is sturdy. Catherine goes back there and says, "I understand we had a problem out there." That you spit on our gate agent. And the sassy little girl goes, I didn't spit on her, but if she wants me to spit on her, I'll spit on her. So, and this is the daughter, and the mother's with her, and the mother's got just as much attitude. And Catherine says, well, we'd like to talk about this outside. We're not going outside. She says, well, give me your, I need to see your passport and your boarding card. We're not giving you nothing. Well, in that case, you're coming up to the front now. So she got them up out of the seats. They kicked them off the airplane. We only have service. That was Monday. Our next service was on Thursday. So they spent an extra three days in Barbados for that. And then I fly with Pete, and he says he was doing uh, St. Lucia. This was in Barbados. He did St. Lucia on Wednesday, and they came on and briefed about this. Because I told him the story, and he says, I took those folks home on Wednesday from St. Lucia. They got on a little commuter flight, went over to St. Lucia, and get home. He briefed them and said, be careful they might spit on you. He briefed them that they might spit on you, exactly. She, they don't said, ever spit again. He said they were very quiet and very subdued all the way back. <laughs> they didn't want to be like uh, in the movie Terminal, you know, where they're just stuck in the Caribbean permanently, moving around island to island, trying to find a way back to the sea. I don't feel like myself. I feel like someone else. And we were flying Honolulu 
It was from Honolulu back to Denver, and we were on a 707 or 720 aircraft. That's a single-aisle aircraft. They don't, I don't think they fly those any longer. But anyway, we were in Honolulu getting ready to take off. We had taxied out from the gate, and one of our passengers said, this is after we started up the engines, that he heard voices in the engines and that we would never make it to the mainland. This was an all-night flight out of Honolulu. We left about midnight uh, back to the mainland, which would have been about a seven-hour flight to Denver. Uh, And like I said, an all-night flight. So anyway, he said that he had heard engines, I mean, pardon me, he had heard um, voices in the engines and that we would crash in the Pacific Ocean and that we would never make it to the mainland. Well, he was so, no, he was so emphatic about it. He wasn't drinking because this is, we had just started up the engines and taxiing out the runway. So he hadn't had any alcohol or anything like that. So he had kicked up such a fuss and demanded to be taken back to the gate. So we had to turn the aircraft around and we took him off. I wasn't freaked out. I wasn't freaked out. Yeah, I wasn't freaked out at all because I'm just kind of like, oh, well, you know, if it happens, it happens. You know, I wasn't freaked out because it's not going to do the flight attendant any good to be freaked out. You know, if it's my time, it's my time, you know. But uh, anyway, we made it back. And, well, of course, we made it to the mainland. We, we all said, now, see, we wish we could have contact that guy to tell him that we made it. This is actually a joke, but I think it's very cute. This blonde, pretty woman gets on the plane and she says to the flight attendant as she boards, Hi, I'm blonde, I'm beautiful, and I'm going to Houston and I'm sitting in first class. And the flight attendant was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So um, they realized later, though, she does not have a first class ticket. So the flight attendant goes up to her and says, excuse me, miss, may I see your boarding pass? And she sees on the boarding pass that she indeed has a coach seat. So she says, you're going to go ahead and have to take your assigned coach seat. And the woman said, no, I am blonde. I am beautiful. I'm going to Houston and I'm sitting in first class. She's like, no, you're going to have to take your assigned seat in coach. She's like, no, I'm blonde, I'm beautiful, I'm going to Houston, and I'm sitting in first class. And she wouldn't budge. So they went and got another flight attendant. They thought they'd get the male flight attendant. He goes up to her, and he's like, excuse me, you're going to have to take your assigned seat in coach. And she said, no, I'm blonde, I'm beautiful, I'm going to Houston, and I'm sitting in first class. So now the flight attendants don't know what to do. So they go and tell the pilot. They're like, we've got this crazy woman. She refuses to get out of first class. She keeps saying, I'm blonde, I'm beautiful, I'm going to Houston, I'm sitting in first class. So he peers out of the cockpit around the door and sees the woman. He sees that she's blonde and he says, oh, oh, it's okay. I speak blonde. My wife is blonde. I'll go talk to her. So he goes out to the woman. He bends down, says something to her. She doesn't seem to have any problems. She gets up and politely goes back and takes her assigned seat in coach. And the flight attendant say to the pilot, what in the world did you say to that woman? And he said, I told her first class isn't going to Houston. <laughs> wow. 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 
Now, this next story isn't about passengers going a little crazy. It's about some pilots <laughs> creatively avoiding some passenger problems. Okay, this was uh, an MD-88 flight from Atlanta to LaGuardia. And as you, re if you know, LaGuardia has a curfew late at night. You're not allowed to fly in there. So we had uh, weather issues all evening long, and the flight was getting later and later and later. Right. And finally, we finally take off. And as soon as we take off on the ACARS, we get a message from flight control that uh, we're not going to land in LaGuardia because of the curfew. We're going to have to go over to JFK, and we're going to have the bus the people back over to LaGuardia. They love that. Right, so I looked at my co-pilot and I said, I'm not going to tell a bunch of pissed off New Yorkers that they're going to get bussed over, you know, at 2 o'clock in the morning over to LaGuardia. So he goes, well, I'm not either. And we also had a jump seater on the flight because he was commuting to work. He had to get a trip early the next morning. So we're looking at each other and just about then the one engine quits. And uh, we looked at each other, and we high-fived each other, and we go, we're not going to New York. <laughs> no, we're not. we're not. We're going back into Atlanta. Oh, you went back to Atlanta. So I said, this is so cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but <laughs> so I, because uh, right before it happened, though, I said, I'm not making a PA. And he goes, well, I'm not making a PA. And so we're back and forth, back and forth. And then finally, all of a sudden, like on cue, the engine quits. So we high-fived each other. <laughs> And then we, you know, did the procedures and everything like that, and then we turned back into Atlanta. Then we made it real serious, you know, that lost an engine, and we landed in, we landed in uh, Atlanta, no problems, you know. And all, of course, all the New Yorkers are getting off, and they're just like, "Bless you and thank you." And we're kind of <laughs> winking each other, like if they are. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And that must be the only time you high five each other when you lose an engine. That's exactly right. <laughs> How often do you lose an engine? I've had two. <laughs> You're about to hear the other one. Okay, this is a quickie, but it was kind of funny. Um, taking off out of Nashville on an MD, on a DC-9, I was the co-pilot, and um, I was flying. So as soon as we took off out of Nashville, one of the fuel pumps quit. I guess the shaft broke, so the engine just instantly stopped. You know, no problems with it other than the fuel shaft. So we just, you know, continued to climb, and then we turned downwind. And we we're just going to come right back into Nashville and land. Well, anyway, one of the flight attendants calls me up and said, "There's some people back here complaining that the one engine is very loud." To which I responded, "That's because it's the only one working." And all I hear is dead silence. Like, what? This engine's really loud. This engine's really loud. Oh, I, I got to tell you a part for that other one. Is that okay? Just throw it in there for your own. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny from a pilot emergency standpoint because in our checklist, as soon as we realized that the engine had quit, we're looking and we're, you know, we high-fived each other and all. Then we're going through the procedures and part of our procedures are, is the engine vibrating? Because um, then we'd want to shut it down versus, just, anyway, on cue, the phone rings and the flight attendant calls up and goes, this engine is really vibrating back here. So I thought that was kind of like, check. Okay, engine vibrating. Go on from there, you know. And it was, a, I forgot that part. That made it funny, too, because it's like, cute. ooh, this is cool. This is, like, weird. Right on cue. All right. Well, I'm crazy again.
this friend. And she loves bangles. So she's got bangles all oh, up I her arms. <laughs> no, it's not her. Oh, it's not her. Okay. It's when I first started flying. Okay. She's bangles all up her arm. So she's serving drinks. And she asked the man what he wanted to drink. And he responds, are you Mr. Cheese, come cousin? And she says, I pity the fool that asked me. <laughs> So there was this fairly old senior captain laying over in New York City and uh, wanted to go out and take a walk around. So he's going down into the subway. It's pretty crowded that afternoon. And this uh, kind of a scruffy-looking guy kind of brushed by him, and he reached in and realized this, this fella had just pickpocketed him and taken his wallet. So he yells out, you stop. And the guy turns around with alarm and takes off running as the captain is chasing him down and they go down the subway up out of the subway back down into another subway back down and the captain had stayed in shape and so he finally caught up with this the poor guy and the offender and he tackles him and there wasn't much you know there were not a lot of people around so he tackles this guy grabs him by the scruff of the collar there grabs his wallet and then runs off and runs up and runs back to the hotel because he's so traumatized and he he, he didn't want this guy to you know you know come back after him or anything and so he kind of calms down, goes up the elevator into his room, opens his room, looks on his dresser, and realizes there sits his wallet. <laughs> so what, what did you find in the other wallet? That's wrong. So Why did he, he think he was pickpocketed? Because he's old. <laughs> so then he, so he realized what he had done, and that he, had just, he had just attacked and traumatized some innocent... <laughs> local uh, in New York so he couldn't help himself he called the local police and said you're not going to believe what happened and he goes oh yes sir we will that guy just called us <laughs> he goes well if you'll go with me I'll, I'll give his wallet back to him <laughs> you know I would love to see the newspaper headline for that airline captain mugs New Yorker <laughs> So the moral of this episode is the next time you are in that big metal tube that is the airplane, could you not go crazy and spit on anyone or beat anyone up or beat your wife? Uh, the flight attendants would really appreciate it. It makes our life much easier. So I hope you all have a wonderful holiday season. Hope it's festive and everything you hope for. And I hope you'll join me again next time for another episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. Thanks. Bye. All this trouble Ain't no use in trying to This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. 
For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead, so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef.